Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, welcome to the Transgender Podcast. We, um, you know, I'm once again joined by my friend Jakub. We're going to talk about the four events that have happened so far. Uh, we're probably going to start with the biggest one, uh, which of course was Monterey, the only 125. So Monterey, the 125, we had the sixth seed, Nuno Borges, winning his third challenger title. First one on hard court, beating Borna Goyo 6-4-7-6 in the final. Borges' journey started against Bradley Klan, beating him 6-2-6-2. Then he took out Evan Zhu, Daniel Altmaier, and Mitchell Kruger all in straight sets. He won the title without dropping a single set. He moves up 18 spots, number 85 in the rankings, his new career high ranking. What did you think of Borges this week? Yeah, I've just had a little bit of an uh, argument would be a stretch, but um, a friend on a group chat has been trying to argue that 500 meters is not altitude. Well, I'm sure he didn't watch the Monterey Challenger. because <laughs> It's clearly altitude. Like uh, maybe it's also some, you know, light air sort of thing. Uh, I actually played on 600 meters altitude once and it wasn't really anything any different. So I, I, I'm sure there are other factors involved, but here it was definitely altitude. Like the way uh, every single match was basically so, so serve-based. Uh, and Nuno Borges, is he a guy that, that you would have thought, you know, was going to do so well? I, I didn't really. Uh, I but didn't he, expect this, no. Yeah, he was only broken once all week against Kruger, which is crazy. Uh, of course, he also never lo- never lost a set. He won all four tiebreakers. Um, the, in the final against Goyo, well, he won it in a pretty wonky way. I mean, Goyo fired two consecutive double faults from six, five up. Um, another, another set point for, uh, for Borges. I can't remember how it looked, but it was on his, I mean, another set point for Goyo, for Goyo was actually in Borges' serve. But yeah, Nuno usually strikes you as a guy who kind of needs plenty of time on his forehand, especially to just launch into it. And suddenly it turns out that, you know, he can be a serve bot in altitude conditions, which is fine. Um, I don't know if, um, if this really signifies anything, or maybe it's just, you know, that one decision that isn't going to matter. But um, I was also kind of surprised to see him play Delray and then Monterey. Like maybe this sort of shows that he's going to try to focus on hardcores more from now. I don't know. Because, um, well, last year he played not clay only, but in 2021, he played almost only clay. Last year, his schedule was very focused on clay. Uh, you know, but back, back when he was in college, I heard he was actually, um, saying that hard courts are his fa- favorite surface. Of course, in college, he didn't get many chances to play on clay. Um, but since he turned pro, it, it was completely the other way, way around. But, you know, maybe he's going to try to change that, which I would actually like. I, I mean, I like this sort of decision if that is the case, because he was a little stuck, it seems. 
And of course, these 125 points are going to really help his ranking situation, which, you know, solidify his Wimbledon, Ron Garros main draws. Well, maybe, maybe not Wimbledon yet because he's also going to drop Barletta, but, you know, they're going to help a lot, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Great result for him. I I wonder if if the if the doubles he used to play doubles a lot so so he's comfortable mm. in the net in in situations like this I I feel like that that helps him as well uh you know uh, make his game even more hardcore friendly than it already is uh as for our finals Borna Goyo his third challenger final uh he started by beating Pacheco Mendes in straight sets also took out Taro Daniel and Alexander Kovacevic in the semis he beat Josip Kibatarunki in straight sets. Up 33 spots to number 127. Uh, yeah, what did you make of this week from from Borna Goyo? Yeah, Goyo would have been very close to the top 100 if he won, which um, for sure is a shame for him. You know, if the conditions are going to favor big servers, Goyo is going to like them. That's That much is obvious. Uh, he beat a very strong set of opponents, I think. I mean, Vatanuki Kovacevic, that alone is... Uh, it's just insane. And Taro Daniel, do you know how many points on serve Taro Daniel won against Goyo? I don't know. I didn't watch that much either. Um, you know, some of the Monterey actions, action was very late at night for me. Um, turns out he only won, lost four points on serve against Daniel. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, some, some ridiculous stats there. And, uh, he lost his serve, I think, to Pacheco Mendes, then also to Kovacevic, of course, because he dropped a set. And I think that was it. And of course, against, uh, Borges in the final ones. Uh, but, but yeah, um, if the conditions are going to favor a big serve, Goya is going to be there to take advantage. He almost took advantage to the fullest possible, <laughs> um, you know, in the, in the fullest possible way. Um, of course, uh, he is a guy who potentially could still uh, fight for the top 100 this year. Probably has, has quite a lot of time until Ortisai drops, uh, with not that much to lose, uh, soon either, I think. So, uh, yeah, that definitely gets him closer and the wins over Daniel Kovacevic and Vatanuki in a row, especially that's, that's pretty impressive, even if the conditions really suit him. Yeah, and I mean, what what an achievement that would be for for Borna Goyo to make it to the top one hundred. I'm I'm sure that it wasn't really widely predicted. For, for not really. For Goyo to be top he, he he was not on my list. If, uh, if you know, if that's uh, <laughs> is some sort of um, well, uh, if that tells you anything, um, other other than my questionable taste in tennis players, uh, he was not on my list. Um, he, was he close to a selection? Not really. I mean, I, I, I really thought that he was going to stay at like, a, you know, 130, 140 ish level. Uh, of course, this gets him really close. And also the uh, United Cup success was, was quite important for him as well. He gained, he gained mm-hmm. plenty of points there too. And in the final, honestly, I think if it went to a, to the third set, he was actually looking like the stronger player in the last few games of the second. Um, he was finally getting something going on return. He was also the better player in the Basin rallies. I would say the past, I don't know, the last 15, 20 minutes, but yeah, two double faults from six, five of up is just, um, yeah, inexcusable. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Let's talk about our semifinalists, starting with Yosuke Vatanuki, who beat 
the weird wild card that we talked about last week. Van Dijn says six of six one to start his uh, tournament. They need to cut Benoit Pair also in straight sets. Big win over Dennis Kudla three six seven six six two. Then lost in two tight sets to Goyo. He has reached the semifinals or better in five straight challengers now. Going back to his his tear on the in 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 Japan last autumn. Uh, yeah, what did you make of Watanuki this week? And he, he just keeps on getting good results, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked about it plenty of times that it was always a concern whether he would translate it against better opposition. Of course he can right now, we already know it. And yeah, um, I think, I can't remember the Matat Pach against Koyo now. I watched it yesterday and in, you know, the past three or four days, I think I've watched like a billion tennis matches and I cannot remember what happened there, but I think Vatanuki had a real chance. I think he was like 4-1 up with a double break, maybe even in the first set tie break. And that's basically how he blew that chance. But still, uh, again, it gets him very close to, top, to the top 100. I think Vatanuki will actually do it. Like he's just so good right now. The, um, the sort of, um, uh, ball striking while also playing very fast of the bounce. It's, it's just so dangerous. And I think he, he can actually hold up at, even at the ATP level. So, um, I've become, uh, over the past four or five months, I've become a big Yosuke Watanuki fan, frankly. Um, there was, there was also, um, a bit of a concern in terms of like, uh, whether he is healthy because he withdrew from, uh, Delray maybe or Dallas, one of these. Uh, you know, since the, the Australian the Open, Beach, yeah, yeah, since the Australian Open, he only had one doubles match in the Davis Cup against Poland, so um, that was yeah, that 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 turns out that it wasn't really uh, anything that serious, yeah. And as you said, James Van Dijk is definitely a better player than I am. Uh, I don't know if you if you saw any ball from balls from that. Uh, I assume I, that I he's also better than you. I'd assume uh, that he's pro- also pro- probably than is. If, if, if he won a game against Watanuki, then, then he has to be better than I ever was. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the first but, set was um, like 15, 18 minutes, something like that. The second was, was more competitive. Um, but well, uh, yeah, another, another very good run for Watanuki, of course. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about our second semifinalist was Mitchell Kruger, who sort of lucked into the semifinal run into these 45 points, but good for him. He beat Steven Diaz 6-4-5-7-6-4, which is a big battle to have against Diaz on hard court. Then he gets a second set retirement for Andreozzi. Then he gets a second set retirement from Tomek. Uh, but he still reaches his first challenger semifinal in 13 months, going back to Traragon at the beginning of last season. Moves up 41 spots number 216. So this was a huge result for him. Makes for almost like a fifth of his points or something. Uh, yeah. What did you think of Major Kruger this week? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the results he was getting in 2022 or lack thereof. Um, I don't think they really do justice to, um, yeah, how good his game is. I mean, a lot of, the, um, for a few years, he was, uh, a staple in the top 200. And, uh, to me, that's, that's kind of where he belongs. Although, yeah, uh, as you said, we don't really know if that's gonna, like if that sort of disposition or maybe um, rather the results are going to stay because yeah, he got a retirement from two guys in, in round two and the quarters and Stephen Diaz, by the way, zero and five for the year. I I didn't know that, yeah. but he took a set of Neukrist, Schellbach and Kruger. 
uh, which oh, also okay. is quite interesting. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, he he was doing very well in that in that Borges semi. Was the only guy to break Nuno this week, so clearly he did something right. Uh, but yeah, I did. I, I honestly forgot that he played both Tomic and Andreozzi when they retired, and I had um, well, I was planning to praise him more, but just looking at it right now, uh, I don't think yeah, I, I mean, should. Look, he he played a, he played a very good match against Borges. He he pushed him all the way to into tiebreak, so it's it's not like he's like a bad player. It was just he, he got lucky in this situation. And it, it happens to be a very, very important 45 points for him uh, at this at this current moment. But he can still clearly play, of course. Uh, now we move on to the main event. Yeah, what you're here for definitely. Uh, Bernie's back, Bernard Tovic, quarterfinals as a qualifier. He beat Federico Ceballos 6364, Oscar Orhoizen 6164. In the main draw, he takes out Juan Pablo Fikovic 7661, and then Emilio Gomez. The four six six four seven six, then has to retire against Kruger uh, in the quarterfinals, unfortunately. But he still moves up fifty six spots, number three hundred seventy four. His first challenger quarterfinals since his Mallorca title in August two thousand and eighteen, more than four and a half years. Um, yeah, what did you make of of Tomic and his run in Monterrey this week? Yeah, it's nice to see how much he wants it, you know, because he clearly yeah. since August, September, uh, when was the his first Cancun ITFs? August, the end of August. Yeah, uh, basically since the end of August, he has really been a different player, perhaps even a different person. You know, impossible to know without like knowing him personally, but uh, the way he acts on the court, you know, it, it, it's really different. Uh, the way he was also willing to play some completely random 15Ks in order to get some match rhythm, get some form, get some ranking points. And yeah, I mean, he, he really wants you, like he really makes you believe that he can still at least be a top 100 player in terms of the level. We'll see if realistically um, no, realistically he's probably not getting there but um mm. i mean uh that was a great that was a great match against gomez for sure uh the the, the match points uh the drama was uh, very fun to watch but i think in just in general the fact that he can still hang with guys like this of course he had to retire against kruger by the way his third retirement already this year or uh, one was was one was a walkover against Bonchetri. And he also retired to Hassan. So, uh, you know, physically he is still quite fragile, but um, I think this week should give him a lot of uh, fire for uh, for the next couple of uh, ones. I got, I, I this reminds me, I, I wasn't going to mention that because I absolutely forgot, but I got an interesting question um, on Twitter for, uh, four days ago, which is related to Tomic. And um, yeah, I'm just going to give it to you and ask what you think. Uh, so the guy, Alex, um, Alex, if you're listening, cheers. He says, uh, which former top 50 player that is currently ranked outside the top 200 has the best chance of returning to the top 100? And the players he mentioned were Jumhur, Per, Kepfer, Kukushkin, Berankis, Sandgren and Tomic. Is there anyone on this list that you think will return to the top 100? Yeah, should I read it again? Slower. slower. Um, mm -hmm. So, 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 so to return to the top 100. Yeah. Talking. Jumhur, I don't think so. Pear, I don't think so. 
I was, I was sort of going through the the rankings that I see. Monfils is also out of the two top two hundred. Yeah, the, the, uh, he he did not mention I, him. Oh yeah, um, but there's Kepfer, Kukushkin, Berankis, Sandgren, and Tomic. Kepfer, it's it, it's it's tough to say uh, because we've seen so little of his of his comeback so far. We've only, we've only seen the one match that was quite poor. Uh, but I mean, but it, um, it, his comeback. Um, he was playing still in November, right? So it's like yeah. he he was only missing oh, yeah. for two months. Oh, this, uh, from 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 this injury that he suffered, whatever it was, uh, I, I assume there was an injury. I don't think that he would he would just skip the Australia. I'm not sure. Beats me. I, I don't, don't know. really see it for him to be honest. Um. Yeah, this is tough. I'm going through this. Benankis might have a chance. Maybe his 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 level is probably the closest. Of the guys mentioned, but it, it would it would take a lot of a lot of grinding on the challenger tour from Berankis week in week out quite often. Um, what else do we have? Who, who else was who else was on the list? Um, so you covered Jumhur, Per Kukush, uh, sorry, Kepfer, and Berankis, and there's also Kukushkin, Sandgren, and Tomic. Sandgren, I think, could do it potentially. Uh, Kukushkin, I think, is unlikely, and Tomic, I don't think he'll go all the way to the top 100, but I think that he'll give us a couple more, a couple more runs for sure, before he's done completely. Yeah, there are some guys here who can definitely still play at the top 100-ish level in an individual match, and Sandgren 100%, Tomic 100% as well. Um, Berankis maybe even, but yeah, I, I don't know Kukushkin, Per Jumhur, I. Don't believe yeah. it's ever going to happen. I, um, you know, my answer was that I believe only Kepfer has a real, real chance because he just has a lot more time, and all the others have shown, uh, you know, a lot of physical decline along with, um, well, along with their decline, the decline of their tennis as well. But most of that probably comes from the physicality, and yeah, I, I, I also here's one here here's mm-hmm. here's here's a bonus one that I include that I think could happen. Luca Pui, I think, could make it go. Back, could, could make it back to the top 100 at some point. Still, how old is he? Like he's 20, only 29. 29. Yeah, but it's it's really all um, you know dependent on whether he's able to play. Because even Absolutely. even looking yeah. at last year, I mean, he he went seven and fifteen, so he basically played half a season, right? Uh, 2021, 18 and 24. That's also, that's like almost a full season, I'd say. So, so he was able to play and never really did that much. He was in the final of a challenger in 2021, really. Lost to Bonzi in Cassis. But yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I think it's possible. He probably has a better chance than all of these guys. I'm a little surprised you were so, um, well. Um, you would like a definitive no on on uh, Kepfer, but I I'm also like not that I'm not sure. like when when I see his career high fifty, I'm like what <laughs> really? And like he 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 was at that level for a very short time. That that that's what makes me a bit. He only um, has one challenger title, of, I think, right? Or or did he win another one uh, at the end of last year? Um, I think he won another one. Yes, yeah, so, last so, year. So, so he won Calgary last year, and then Ilkley. Ah, okay, yeah. Ilkley, Ilkley, 2019. Yeah, yeah. So I guess he did show at the end of last year that he can still, 
you know, he was also in that final in uh, carry that he lost to Mo. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like sometimes I feel like there are these players who have like a very rapid rise and, mm-hmm. and they get a very decent career high. And then they sort of fall. If I feel like Oscar Ote is sort of in the middle of this where he, he made this great career high of 36. But now I think it's going to be a, a plummet back down. Yeah, like, he's not getting I, he's I not getting back be, up there. No. Yeah. Karatsev. Like I he's, well. he's going to be outside of the top 100 soon ish, I think, points wise. Um, semis in Munich. Semis in the, the grass season. I, the, the grass, grass season, season was really strong. But it, it's also injury related, right? After Wimbledon, yeah. he was out for three months. And I think since that knee injury, he's never really uh returned to his previous form. But yeah. For for him, it, it was always going to be a quick Karatsev, uh, you know, Kachin is going to be outside the top 100 in a second, probably. <laughs> I mean, the moment his points start dropping in the spring, he's going to be out of the top 100. But yeah, there's a lot of players like that, that's true. Um, some actually turn out to have some staying power, like, I don't know, Lestien. Uh, but anyway, we were talking about Bornatom, uh, well, Bornatom, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun com- that would be a fun combination. Uh, Bernard Tomic, is there anything else to add on the great man himself, uh, on the uh, phenomenal tennis player who was once believed to be an absolute prodigy? I'm I'm just happy that he's doing this. That 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 that's the whole thing. And even if it is only in Mexico that he ever plays or whatever the deal is, <laughs> no, as long I, as he, gives he us, played in Europe uh, this uh, year, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I, I think he just enjoys Mexico a, a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as long as he comes and gives us a, a couple of these runs, a couple of these moments like that win over Gomez, I will be I will be happy. Well, that was not Europe he played in, actually. It was Kuwait and Qatar. So he basically oh. plays in all the courts. <laughs> he, he, he just wants to, you know, get some, uh, get tanned a bit and... Yeah, I guess that's fair. I think he was initially on an entry list for some challengers in Europe. Uh, yeah, but then, then, then he never really showed up in them, even though his ranking would have been enough for the qualifying. Um, but yeah, uh, that's Bernard Tomic. He still brings a lot of excitement. I think a lot of people probably, uh, this week, uh, saw his match for the first time in, uh, at least a year, maybe, and not the, the previous Monterey challenger. Because after that, it was just like some challenger qualities at first. And then, of course, uh, the ITF tour, which some of that were, was actually streamed. I remember watching a few matches, but um, but yeah. Yeah, let's take it over quickly to doubles, where we had Goranson and McLaughlin win the title. Their second title already this season after Canberra. Uh, two very strong challenger doubles players. They beat Martinez and Rodriguez, who won, who, who won a title together last season but we're unable to repeat it here. But yeah, very, very strong uh, doubles in, in Monterrey as well. And so on we go to Bengaluru, where Max Purcell won his third challenger title, back-to-back titles after Chennai last week. He's the number one challenger player at the moment in the challenger race. Uh, he was down a set in the break in the final to James Duckworth, but he fought back to win 3-6, 7-5, 7-6. On his run in Bangalore, he beat Ofner, Nagal, Nardi, and Medvedevic before beating Duckworth in the final. Now up to the number 116 in the rankings, up 39 spots, 69 points away from the top 100. What did you think of Purcell this week, and can he do it? <laughs> I I found this uh, article that I think I mentioned last time. Uh, I put it in my you know the tweets that I um, 
that I uh, wrote after Purcell won the title. I also um, have that article there. So if anyone wants to read it, but I'll just read a quote. I'm trying to take a step away from doubles this year and trying to focus on my singles and see where the next three or four years can take me with that. Well, apparently they can take him quite far. <laughs> that has to be said. Uh, yeah, already 70 points away. And of course it is a real possibility. Um, it has to be said that these events are probably slightly weaker than what we are used to in Europe, at least, uh, probably in most South American ones as well. Uh, but you know, that's, that, that doesn't really take away from Purcell who just, uh, you know, destroyed guys like Nardi, uh, scored great wins over Nagal, Ofner, uh, Medjedovic, you know, he, um, his play style, I think, especially all the slicing and all the, um, well, the tennis IQ, I guess, that he has um, is really damaging to youngsters, it seems, uh, but also to the veterans. And I mean, he he was down and out in that final. 3-6, 1-3 down, 1-3, 15-40, I think, even in the second set against Duckworth on serve. And from that point onwards, he saved 13 breakpoints in a row, uh, and that includes four at five all in the third. Uh, he brought us an absolutely brilliant final last time in Chennai. He brought us an even better one, maybe, uh, here. And, um, yeah, even, even against Duckworth, even very tired, uh, he once again managed to do it. How? I, I'm pretty sure even he would, would struggle to, uh, you know, answer that question, but, uh, he managed to do it. And yeah, definitely is in contention for a, for a top 100 debut right now. I don't think he has like, any huge, um, you know, uh, points to defend recently, right? Uh, I mean, um, you know, soon. Don't think so. Yeah, and I mean, he's still not withdrawn from from the next week's yeah. tournament in in Pune. So we'll see if he plays that one after winning back to back titles. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been inspiring from Purcell too. You know, he he burst out with all the success and doubles, uh, and for him to sort of knuckle down and say, "I'm going to go." the board command singles ranking this year and focus on that uh, and it's bore so much fruit for him already yeah the title of that As, article is by yeah. the way i'm young and want to be playing singles so i guess that kind of tells you <laughs> yeah i mean no one no one uh, you know we are um, um we are doubles supporters here but no one grows up wanting to be a doubles player you know it's a matter of That's necessity true. not choice in 99 percent of the cases and he will have a, a a lot of time to play a lot more doubles whenever he, he chooses. Yeah. No, he's still playing doubles. Uh, he's just gonna yeah. you know, focus, not not focus his schedule around that. Exactly. As for James Duckworth, it was his twenty-first challenger final, second one this season. He beat Leon Gucci, Giovanni Mbeji, Perry Klatt, Dimitar Kuzmanov, and James McCabe all in straight sets heading to the final. He was a set up in that final as well. Lost it ultimately, still moved up 16 spots, number 112 in rankings. But what did you think of Duckworth's week? Yeah, fellow Aussies are apparently his weakness because he's already, you know, of his six losses this year, he's lost to Hijikata twice and Purcell twice. Or maybe it's just Purcell and Hijikata who are his, uh, you know, his weaknesses because he's beaten Polman, Sekulic, Delaney and McCabe in the meantime. 
but um, definitely, I mean, he's heading back to the top 100 because, of course, in 2022, he had that injury, which forced him out of from, I think, between um, February and May. So until the middle of June, he's defending 10 points from here. And these are the 10 points that he will very likely defend because they were for Ron Garros round one. So you don't actually need to do anything. You just need to make the main throw. And uh, and yeah, he's just going to, uh, he has so much room to gain. And uh, this very easily could have been such a dominant week if he, uh, you know, if he broke at, at 3-1 in the second set, if Purcell suddenly didn't start chasing everything down and uh, eventually uh, came back to win the match very easily could have been an extremely dominant week with just one tie break maybe even but somehow it um yeah didn't pan out in the end in in very dramatic circumstances of course yeah let's move on to our semi-finalists starting with james mccabe star of the netflix tennis <laughs> show breakpoint he, he's he's in like one scene of it uh because he's oh, really curious his uh training partner uh, ahead of ah, the Australian Open, so they're I, I had no them. idea. I just watched <laughs> one episode, and it was about uh, Madrid, I think. So I had no idea, but that, that's that's amazing. Uh, that's a good question yeah, for him if uh, he's like you know if, <laughs> if we're ever talking to him or something. That, that that's a good question. <laughs> exactly, he reaches the semifinals here as a qualifier, beating Singh and Moria to reach the main draw. Then beats Justino Polmans, uh, Harold Mayot to reach his first career challenger semifinal. What did you think of McCabe this week? No, this this had the markings of a real break breakout round for sure. Especially, of course, the Polman's wins win, but also, uh, you know how clean he was in most of that. Um, amazing on serve, he was really risking it on the second serve as well, and uh, getting some fantastic placement. You know, it's tough to beat guys like Duckworth, I guess, as um, you know, as an up and comer who uh, is uh, definitely um, you know, not not at his consistent, not not at the peak of his consistency yet. It's probably kind of hard against guys like that, you know, with experience, guys who can really just um, make you play what you don't want, guys that can really make you uncomfortable. And um, yeah, just just a, a real good showing here, and and hopefully more to come because, of course, at some points in the past, uh, James uh, McCabe has shown us some insane level, and apparently he also can uh, struggle only with fellow Aussies because his past three losses are Duckworth, Sweeney, and Hijikata. <laughs> such a good, yeah. by the way, uh, such it... a good um, couple of weeks for Australian tennis, right? I mean, two challengers this week, oh, yeah. two challengers the week before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Purcell is a big part of that, but overall, they've they've really stepped up for sure. Yeah, but so Duckworth, McCabe, um, Sweeney. Yeah. Uh, this week, actually, uh, you know, in Bangalore, there was well yeah. oh yeah, Kokinakis. There wasn't a single, uh, there wasn't a, a single um, Australian in the top quarter in the draw of uh, in Bangalore. So if there was, they would probably you know make make uh, the semifinals all Australian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that other semi-finalist was Haman Medvedevich beating Gunes Varan, Moreno de Alboran, and Chungsin Seng, 6-1-6-2. Unbelievable to reach just his second career challenger semi-final. Obviously, the first one was his Ludenscheid title in June. Uh, he's really not played as well as, as, as we probably would have hoped since, but this was a marked improvement. What did you think of Medvedevich this week? Yeah, I think I counted it and it was, it was like 15 challengers uh, straight without reaching a quarterfinal or something like that. I mean, of course, the guy has some insane talent, but he uh, is a bit of a mess mentally, game-wise as well. I mean, he 
um, I don't want to say he doesn't know how to play, but that, that's kind of how it is, right? I mean, uh, he just uh, needs to learn that. He needs to get better at it with experience. Uh, of course, he has the talent to pull it off. What well, we're going to see. Um, and yeah, uh, super nice to see him um, get that sort of a week. Who was, uh, well, Purcell was serving at 6-2-5-4 in the second set. So I wouldn't really say he was... There wasn't a moment where Majedovic was very close to winning the match, given that they uh, both held six times in the deciding set. Uh, but still, yeah, so so much of um, uh, well, a nice break for him after that um, that series of struggles that you mentioned. Hopefully, physically as well, he's gonna be uh, better now because uh, it's also been an issue in the past couple of months, but maybe maybe you know the last year or so. So um, he needed some points as well because you know that Ludenscheid title defense is coming. But even before that, he has this uh, wonderful streak where at at one point, of course, mostly on the ITF uh, tour, but he was 27 and two at, at some point last year in his last 29 matches. So, uh, you know, when these points start dropping off, uh, he could have been in trouble. And right now he has some sort of a caution to, um, you know, to fall back on. But of course, we are hoping that on clay, where maybe his footwork is not going to be that much of an issue, that there he's uh, once again going to be, uh, well, I don't know if winning challengers, but a threat more consistently. <laughs> Yeah, I I, th- I think we can definitely expect him to be to be a threat this this spring and summer. Uh, as you said, it sort of moves him up to number two hundred twenty one, up thirty four spots. But yeah, he, he he does have a lot coming off with with all of those ITFs uh, and the Ludenscheid title. Over to the doubles, we had Chung and Xu win the title, beating Chandrasekhar and Prashant in the final. We can go over to Rome, not that one, Rome, Georgia. Jordan Thompson lifting the title over Alex Mikkelsen, 6-4-6-2 in the final, his 10th challenger title overall, fourth one in the last 52 weeks. Uh, and he did not drop a set this entire run. Beats Dugas, Squire, Alastair Gray, Zachary Svaida, who came the closest in two tie breaks. Um, up 12 spots, number 81 in the rankings. What did you think of Thompson this week? Yeah, aside from um, not uh, aside from not from not dropping a set, he also never faced a top two hundred and fifty opponent, which is kind of shocking. Um, and yeah, I mean Jordan yeah. Thompson has been playing a lot of challengers this year. Of course, that was his first. But when you look at his last year, he played thirty six challenger main draw matches, despite still feeling you know like um, a main tour player. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong about that. I think it's smart, you know, he's doing what he needs to do to survive along with his usual grass court runs. It's enough to stay in the top 100, which is a feat, of course. And yeah, he he cleaned it up really. Um, A lot of these players couldn't really handle his serve, uh, which, uh, you know, we don't really think of Jordan Thompson as a huge server usually. And yeah, guys like Grace, Fidam, Mikkelsen, they, they broke him once. Uh, but in all of these matches, he was constantly in control, less so against Fida, but um, even there, I mean, he was 7-6, 4-3 up, then he lost that break, um, which was just a re-break for the American, of course. And um, yeah, th- th- that serve made a lot of difference against guys like Mikkelsen or Svaida, where they couldn't really hit through him. And at the same time, he was getting a lot of free points. Um, so a very clean run. Something you would expect. I mean, why the hell didn't we pick him as um, 
a bit of a concern <laughs> for me. Very, very uh, good I'm point. Just, yeah, I'm just looking at this draw and, and like, what? I guess Hijikata was a very strong, strong uh, contender too, but um, I don't know. Yeah. It, anyway, I, I, I think I, we both I mean, missed the trick a bit here. Yeah, I, I picked uh, Koa Ko and that was not much, not much better at all. Arguably yeah, I mean, bo- both our picks lost in the opening round. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure what we were thinking of here, but Jordan Thompson, like, was significantly better than the, all the other players in the draw, maybe barring Kijikata, and he did clean it up uh, in, in pretty impressive fashion. Yeah, Alex Mickelson, his first challenger final, aged 18, starts by beating Dominic Kepfer, 6-3, 6-1. Then gets a bit of a lucky break against Mats Morang, who was up a set, but had to retire in the second set. In the quarterfinals, Mickelson beat Lesham in straight sets, then came back from a set down against Hong in the semis to win 6-1 at the third. Lost, obviously, to Jordan Thompson in the final, kind of, not easily, but 6-4, 6-2. Uh, breaks the top 400 in the rankings up to number 356. What did you think of Mikkelsen this week? Mats Morain had to retire. That's a first. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh, sorry. I mean, of course, that's uh, more of a you know, concerning than uh, that they make it seem. Um, yeah, it, it happens to him constantly, and it's and it's always pretty sad, especially the, because of, because he had that top one hundred window and couldn't really play for it last year. Anyway, Alex Mickelson, yeah, uh, really tough, honestly, to understand uh, his game for me so far. Like he, he definitely has a lot of good pop on his ground strokes, moves a bit like he was even taller, <laughs> I would say, but it, he moves effectively even though it doesn't look clean. Uh, I, I would say it's it's actually pretty good. Uh, he seems to be pretty smart on the court too. Uh, like when when he fell into trouble against Hong, uh, he was able to really uh, start playing a lot more patiently. I think this is something he tried to mimic in that final, but uh, Thompson was probably executing it a lot better than Hong as well. Uh, so it didn't really work out. Uh, there should be more serve potential in him than uh, you know than what he's showing right now at uh, you know at the height. I, I think he's over one one meter and ninety centimeters tall. Um, so th- there should be more serve potential in the future. But uh, you know, put serve potential potentially, yeah. And, and it seems like anytime he plays a challenger main draw, magic happens. You know, last year last um, year in Tiburon, he beat Yun Cheng Shang, which was at the time a massive upset. Of course, uh, earlier this month in Cleveland, he beat Jack Sock, which was not as massive, but still pretty huge. And now he makes a final at the age of 18. He is also committed to um, the University of Georgia for the fall of 2023. But, you know, if he keeps developing like that, he might have some decisions to make uh, when the fall actually comes. Uh, you know, but for now, an amazing run for sure. And um, yeah, let's see what he does with it in Waco. Yeah, definitely an exciting player. Lots of potential there. And Waco, that first round, we'll talk about that, but that's also yeah. lots of fun. Uh, as for our semifinalists, we had Zachary Svaida beating Wong, Vukic, and Ejupovic to reach the first semifinal of the season for him. Uh, obviously, came the closest to beating Thompson this week. What did you think of Svaida? Yeah, he definitely tried to play a bit more like positive tennis this week. Um, I don't know if that's the impact of the indoor court. If maybe that that's something that he felt like doing, he clearly fared pretty well at it. 
Uh, so, you know, I don't mind it. <laughs> of course, I'm always telling everyone to be more aggressive, but like, I, I don't think he was really, uh, you know, stepping out of his comfort zone. He didn't seem uncomfortable doing it. Uh, but definitely a very good run for him. Quietly, he's putting in uh, some very good uh, runs this year because, yeah, so far he's lost to guys like Thompson, Altmaier, Sandgren, even the ITF losses to Mikkelsen and to Ponwith, who beats uh, Hijikata here, of course. Uh, you know, that's nothing to be ashamed of. So uh, definitely a nice start to the year. He's 13 and 5 right now and should have a very good chance against Mejia in Waiko. All right. Our other semifinalist was Siang Chun Hong, who beat Brancatelli de Camps, 6-1-6 love, and Toby Alex Kodat, 6-4 in the third, his second challenger semifinal already. In 2023, also had that Davis Cup moment with with the heroics. Uh, what did you think of Hong this week? Yeah, just another one of these very strong results recently. Um, honestly, Decamps uh, losing, I think, two points on serve. Uh, that that was something pretty crazy. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened there. I only saw a few points. Uh, but Hong is another guy who'd think would do well in indoor conditions, right? So. So that's a pretty huge run for him. He also stopped Kodat, um, who, um, you know, it seemed like they might play an all-American uh, next-gen semifinal, if you may. Kodat, I think mm-hmm. it, these were his first uh, main draw wins in Challengers. Um, yeah. You know, he was he was a huge junior back in the day. He reached the uh, Ron Garros final in 2019, which he then would have lost to whom in 2019? I do not remember by now. Was it? No, it wasn't Rune. Was it Rune? I think it was Rune. Um, I think he lost the the Ron Garros Juniors final to Rune. Um, yeah, and 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 Hong uh, Hongo was also able to stop him in his tracks. Almost beat Mikkelsen, uh, but eventually, yeah, the, the American was um, able to control his aggression very well. And uh, yeah, just I I think getting up to an indoor final, uh, indoor semi final uh, for Hong is still a very very good result. Yeah, you already mentioned Kodat, obviously beat my pick, Kwako, first challenger main draw wins. Uh, also beat Chimo Bokuro, 7-5 in the third. What are your thoughts on his, his potential uh, overall? Do you, do you think that he still has the hype that he sort of earned as a, as a junior even now? I mean, he definitely lost the hype, right? I mean, his career high is 598. Uh, or maybe he's going to beat it this week or, or be around that sort of um, a level. Um, he definitely lost some. I mean, he had some big uh, sponsorships early. I think he trained with Dam in um, on you know Bradenton, Florida. Um, he, I, I think he maybe he was even signed by AMG, and of course uh, he didn't go to college. So um, he, you know, I, I don't blame him after that junior's career. I guess he just thought that he's he was gonna transition smoother. It hasn't really worked out, but this is a bit of a start. I wonder how far he can go with that one-hander, you know, because it, it takes like 10 <laughs> seconds to set it up. But uh, on these indoor courts, the serve and forehand actually looked like real weapons. And uh, yeah, he came very close to beating Hong. So uh, definitely someone that we're going to also follow next week and, uh, you know, just see if it's repeatable. Uh, he's playing Nicky Hart at the opening round. So that's clearly winnable. Yeah, over in the doubles, we had Luke Johnson and Sam Verbeek win their first challenger title of the season together, their second final in 2023. They've played together all year. Uh, in this one, they beat the Camps and Ribakov. We go over to Rovereto, where Dominic Stricker won his fourth challenger title, beating Giulia Cepieri in the final 7 6 6 2. 
Strikers started with a with with a rocky win over Polichek, uh, three six seven five six one. But from there, beat Bord, beat Morocanias, Onclan, beat beat in the final as well. Up thirty three spots from one hundred twenty eighty nine points away from the top one hundred. What did you think of Striker? Yeah. By the way, um, if you were to guess, how many followers does Dominic Striker have on Twitter? <laughs> I've never seen him tweet, so I don't know if he's like a regular tweeter, if it's just like an inactive um, account. Let 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 me tell you uh, but... how regular he is. Yeah, that that you're right. That should be uh, that should be included. One hundred and sixty six tweets. Uh, okay, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say about a thousand. Yeah, he has 455. So, uh, challenger. I have, I have more followers than, than <laughs> but you also have more tweets. <laughs> I, I have a lot more tweets, a lot yeah, more nonsense. That, that, that's tweeted, why I mentioned it. But... That's why I mentioned it because, you know, challenger <laughs> fans, go give this man some love. And I actually had no idea that he uh, had a Twitter account. If he's Twitter, tweeting, yeah. Uh, but he uh, liked my post about him winning the title today. And that's why I, uh, that's why I, I, I saw it. <laughs> You know, I, I I had to like check whether it's actually his account or or not, but it is his account. Did, did, uh, so... did he earn one of your one of your uh, no, hallowed no, no, no. <laughs> follows? No, no, it's not enough. It's not enough. You know, I I, I usually just follow the guys who follow me or. Um, I don't know, some randoms like Nagal, Dustin Brown, I think, uh, Ivo Karlovic. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Challenger fans, go give this man some love on Twitter as well. Apparently, he is an active presence there and he has been retweeting a lot of the, uh, you know, like um, short videos of, of his run or something like that. Um, yeah, and uh, when it comes to Stryker, he had that um, moment against Polichak where he was almost out, 3-6, 3-4 down with a break. He was playing just terribly again, like in Vilnius, he was just blasting the ball, just giving, you know, getting that uh, first strike tennis, uh, which definitely is the basis of his game to an absolute extreme and not in a good way. And uh, then suddenly he really fought for it. Uh, We, um, even Joris Delors, when he was talking to me in Vilnius, sort of doubted his fighting spirit, I guess, in a way. And not here. I mean, here he just was willing to grind. He was willing to fight for it. It showed in that opening match. Of course, he was much better uh, after this, but also, you know, his shot selection improved in the final as well, saving these five set points. Uh, he played some of them in a really smart way, like that lob that he had over Zapieri. Um, There was also like a uh, forehand down the line that was played with a lot of margin. Uh, and honestly, yeah, that, that that that's how he got that title, and maybe maybe this is a a step in the in a, in the right direction. Of course, he dropped some ranking when he lost that Columbus and Cleveland double, well, almost double, a final and the title. Uh, and he was very very reliant on these Zook points that he is gonna defend in July. Uh, you know, but hopefully he breaks the top one hundred until then. And playing like he was in Rovereto, he certainly has a choice. Uh, chance. Yeah, I have not followed Dominic Sticker on on Twitter, uh, so he's up to I think four hundred and fifty eight. But yeah, <laughs> good for him. Uh, Eighty nine points away. That's what he needs for the top one hundred. I think if he plays like this, he will get that uh, in these upcoming weeks. Let me just check his schedule real quick. Uh, yeah, obviously plays Paul next week, plays Lugano after that. I, th- I think he, he could probably get that in in those two events even, um, theoretically. 
But let's move on to Giulio Zapieri, his third challenger final, first one, uh, first loss in a in a challenger final. Obviously, nine win streak broken after his shared work title last week. This week he beat Ferrari 6-1-6-3, then had to come back from a sit-down against Broom 4-6-6-1-6-2. Also had to come back from a sit-down against Escoffier to win 6-2 in the third. Then beats Uchida, loses to Striker. Uh, up 12 spots to number 115 in the rankings, his new career high ranking, and uh, 65 points away from the top 100. So do you think who's going to make it sooner, Striker or Tepieri? Striker. <laughs> I think it's going to be streaker. Yeah. I think it's not going to be that that repeatable for Zapieri. Although, of course, at this point, we cannot really exclude the possibility that he makes it in a couple of weeks or in a month because, well, he basically needs one good event. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's done it to himself, right? He uh, He's put in some great work the past two weeks. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a shame uh, in a way uh, that he didn't beat streaker because then he'd have like a signature win, right? And mm-hmm. right now we still have this sort of these concerns, you know, Sherbrooke was such a slow court. Rovereto actually not so much, I think, even though Marius Kopil seemed to be complaining a bit as we talked about last and, time. And he made the second out of qualifying. I don't know what yeah. he was complaining about. He, he got 11 points. I mean, un- unless he, uh, you know, point. unless despite the fact that he was already in Rovereto, he was actually tweeting about the Sherbrooke final or something. Or, uh, he, he, he was so mad. At, he was so mad at those courts that despite himself, he just somehow won like, and got his best result. Yeah, and, beat you know, Kasper Jouk in the opening time. round. <laughs> Uh, but, um, yeah, speaking of Zapieri, uh, it, it's definitely uh, a run that is impressive, but sort of lacks that, you know, that, that huge win, uh, other than maybe like uh, who's the, who's the best win that he got? Uh, probably Escoffier, which, Escoffier, um, yeah. yeah, which isn't that amazing, but of course, points wise, it's going to help him a lot. Um, I think, you know, he, he's, he's shown in the past that he can be a, a good player on the big stage. It's maybe more about uh, delivering these consistent results. So maybe delivering consistent results against slightly weaker opposition is a very good uh, way to build upon this. And yeah, uh, against Tricker after the first set, he just didn't have anything left. Um, he he uh, was completely out of energy after that. Um, I'm you know we, we don't know what what would have happened if he served it out uh, in the opening set at five three. He was certainly in that match like. 100% discounting the the physical stuff in the second set he was definitely in that much so maybe we can sort of uh you know <laughs> think about that maybe him not necessarily getting the win but he was pretty much at streaker's level for the first hour or so yeah i mean just for Zapiri, i think it's so encouraging that he gets to log these 125 points from this part of the season, which you would not have expected at all in the slightest. And so you can bank these points and then really go for it in the spring before he has to defend that Umak semifinal. We could see him top 80 in the rankings, I think, uh, after he gets so many chances on on, on clay challengers, if if he plays this high of a level. So I, I think it's a very exciting time for, for Tepiedi as well, even though I do expect Stryka to be the first one of the two to break the top 100. I think his, for him, it's more it's more imminent. We can talk about our semifinalists. Let's start with Kaichi Uchida, who got a retirement in the first round from Chiano, then uh, played a wild match against Guyovchik, 1-6, 6-1, 7-6, but came out on top, then defeated Rodionov, huge win there, 
six three in the third best best result of the season for sure for Uchida. What did you think of him? Yeah, that 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 match with Rodion was kind of weird because um, I think until the break in the third set he was like not getting at close at all to, uh, you know, to breaking the Rodion of serve, and then suddenly he took it twice. Um, for sure, a, a good result for him, but you would kind of like expect um, a, a better fight with Zapieri, right? He kind of went away there and uh, didn't really threaten the Italian teenager, which given that uh, Zapieri was going for his ninth win and in, in, in uh, you know, in two weeks, uh, I think I just, um, you know, figured that Uchida would pro- was probably going to challenge him and he did not. And he has a nightmare draw in Po right now with Arthur Fields, of course. Yeah, our other semi-finalist was Gauthier Onclan, his second career challenger semi-final after uh, Otinier. And on this front, he beats Rossol. Then Serafini, who completely out of nowhere beat Gigante, beats Collage to reach the semi-finals. What did you think of Onclan this week? Yeah, Serafini was uh, all, was so close to making the upset of the week. Although, honestly, I wouldn't like the odds were insane on that one. Eight to like eight to one on Serafini. Uh, yeah, well, not really, but uh, still, you know, for Unclan, it's it's such a fantastic start to the year. He's fi- fifteen and three actually, and only losing to uh, three of the best players the Challenger Tour has to offer: Goffin, Striker, and Katzperzuk. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, beating Zdenek Kolash, who's been just getting into the quarterfinals uh, constantly right now, uh, was definitely a huge win for him, and he did come pretty close to Streaker. Uh, it was just a matter, you know, the, the first set was just a matter of one break and then he got to a tie break where he was outplayed. But uh, yeah, one, once again, he uh, definitely uh, shows that he is, like he belongs at this level indoors and just basing this on how he, uh, you know, the sort of results that he was getting on clay last year, he probably will belong at this level on clay as well. <laughs> All right. And in the doubles, we had Kornea and Shkugor win the title in their first tournament together, beating Manafov and Prihotko. We go to match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, Maybe you could start. <laughs> because I uh, traditionally okay. have not done this yet. So I will start with the match of the week, which for me, for sure, was Bednat Tomic beating... Emilio Gomez, 4-6-6-4-7-6 for his, I mean, first signature win in like forever, in, in living memory almost for Bernat Tomic. I mean, he, the, the the level was high. It's a uh, challenger 125. He's beating a player who's been in the top 100 recently. It, it was just so exciting to witness again. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, he had to retire in the next match, but we can see that Bernie's, Bernie's back. Yeah, that's a very solid pick, actually. Um, I'm not gonna go for that, but that's kind of just me wanting to also highlight the the final between Purcell and Duckworth again. Uh, you know, uh, Purcell Moreno Dalboran was your match of the week last time. Right now, I'm gonna choose Purcell Duckworth as mine. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think just uh, the the drama there and just constantly um, thinking that Purcell has to 
uh, go down physically at some point. That at, at some point it's just not going to be enough. The legs are going to go, and they didn't, you know. And and him saving all of these break points in the third set, I think was really dramatic. And also on the stream there was commentary for whatever reason. The guy was pretty enthusiastic. Um, I'm I'm not even sure like what who he was or whatever, but it was pretty fun. Um, also because of that reason and. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna choose Purcell Duckworth, but of course I think that uh, Tomic and Gomez are very you know it's a very fine selection too. I've not uh, you know we are recording this uh, before the Monterey final, so I have not done the Twitter poll yet, uh, but I'm definitely including these two and then some other two that I'm gonna come up with later. <laughs> yeah, as for episode of the week, I've chosen to go with Ponwith beating Hijikata. Uh, it, it just edged out uh, Serafini beating Gigante for me. Hijikata, you, you obviously picked him for the title. I thought that it was a very solid pick, and uh, out of nowhere comes Dayton Point with uh, to take him out in the first round. Yeah, Serafini uh, was the highest score, score for the bookies. Now, do I think that's enough? Yeah, I I think I would also go with Pon with Hijikata. Just didn't I just didn't think there was gonna be any danger at all there, and and the American was uh, really firing and uh, you know made made such good use of these uh, in their in their conditions, pretty fast in their conditions, I would say. And um, yeah, I just did not have him on my radar at all, um, even though I think that uh, Hijikata is not going to produce the sort of re- results in Australia that he has, um, you know, the, the sort of results outside of Australia that he has down under. I just, yeah, I just thought this was probably a free win for him and that he was easily going to make the semis here. And that did not happen at all. And it wasn't a fluke. He Ponwith was 100% the better player. All right, we can go over to our previews, our winner picks stand, same as last time, five to six. And we did horribly uh, we this week. Any, yeah, <laughs> we, we really laid an egg across. Let's not sugarcoat it. We we just did horribly. Yeah, I mean, it was you're looking at some of these picks, you banks, you picked in Monterrey, who, who's to under I mean, in the first to round. To be fair, call. if you knew that Gomez <laughs> was going to play Tomek in the second round, then you wouldn't have picked him. And if that, I knew that Eubanks was going to play Andreozzi, I also yeah. wouldn't have picked him. But, you know, we knew it was a possibility. So, yeah, I, I don't think we're Yeah, I mean, when, when you see that qualifier spot, and, and unless there's somebody, like, very pronounced that, that you don't want to get there, it, it just becomes so easy to just treat it as a, as a buy in your mind when you're picking the, the draw without the qualifiers in there. That's a, that's a bit of a shame. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> some of the other ones. In, in, across the board, it was, it was tough tough week for us picking. But hopefully we do better this time. And we start in Paul, where Atorinder connects the top seed playing a qualifier. He will then oh, so Stricker has withdrawn. Stricker's withdrawn because Stricker was supposed to play Rindernech. Okay, so he has withdrawn. From oh yeah, Paul. yeah. That was I. I actually was gonna you know not not pick it because we're not picking upsets, but I was just gonna hundred percent predict the the upset there. So. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, but, but both both him and Sapieri have, have withdrawn. Sapieri was replaced uh-huh. as the Struff is the ninth seed in that section, facing Manuel Guinard and could also face Gabriel Debru in the second round. So it's an interesting quarter to start us off. Then we have Heisbrauer facing Emilio Nava, uh, then Luca Van Asch or Litu. 
Yuri Rodinov plays Mark Lyell, who's in here with the wild card. That was pretty surprising to me for an Estonian. Uh, when yeah, Muratoglu Academy, or... I guess. Yeah. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Lukas Klein faces Anton Escoffier. We then have Raul Brancaccio playing Lauren Locoli, then Alexander Richard or qualifier. Arthur Fields coming off of some huge main tour results faces Kaichi Uchida and then Richard Berankis or another qualifier. Sisu uh, Bergs and Jobor Piroš face off in a match that can go literally any direction. It could be the match of the week. It could be <laughs> a lopsided flop either way. <laughs> That's such an unpredictable match, I think, because we see these players take some horrible losses over the course of a year. But we, we know what their level really is there. Uh, the winner of that match will face Anton Tellier or a qualifier. Hugo Umbeer plays Calvin Emery and Daniela Sells or another qualifier. In the qualifying, we have Viktor Durashovic, who beat uh, Zdenek Kolaj, who was the top seed. Joris Delor he is here playing Anton Huang for a spot in the main draw. We also have guys like Donskoy, Borg, Buyun Chaukete, Dana Ded, Louis Wessels. In the doubles, we have Yebavi and Pavlasek as the top seeds. Uh, Lukas Kobot, uh, Kobot, Kubot has a wild card with Filip Bergevi. Zdenek Kolaj and Igor Zelenay have teamed up. We also have Julian Cash playing with Konstantin Franzen because I believe Henry Patton's injured. They had to withdraw from Marseille. I assume Patton's injured. That's why Cash is playing uh, with somebody else. We also have Arendt and Pell playing Kodna and Shkugor. Uh, but going back to the singles, who do you think will lift the title? Um, yeah, and you kind of already hinted at it, but um, I love the wildcards here. Uh, like all underranked players, all very exciting. Uh, you know, Layal can beat Rodionov, absolutely. But since that ankle injury, he uh, played a couple of ITFs on ITF events only and was, uh, well, at least looking at their results a little subpar. Uh, De Bru, of course, we don't know who he's going to face yet. Uh, and Emery Umber, that's, all, uh, you know, when, whenever Calvin Emery plays a, plays a top seed, that's always a bit of an upset alert, even though uh, his consistency is usually not there. I also love the the Berg-Spirosh match. Yeah, for sure, watching that if I can. I think it's actually tomorrow, so I might not not be able to. But um, yeah, other than that, Klein, Escoffier, fantastic first round, Brauer, Nava as well. And um, Brancaccio Locoli in the rematch of that crazy final in Numea. As you said, the qualifying is pretty strong. Um, the Lord just had a very weird... Um, campaign in Rovereto where he played just a fantastic match against Travalia and then was kind of atrocious against Morocanias. So I don't think I'm picking him here uh, for the title. You know, he's playing Oang. That's all, that always can be dangerous in uh, indoor conditions. Durasovic scored a huge win over Kolaj. Um, if um, his career tells us anything, then he's probably going to lose to Blanchet now, but hopefully not because uh, we're all, uh, you know, we're still waiting for the Norwegian to unleash his potential, which he still yeah, which which he definitely has. Um, we just don't know to to which extent, maybe. And in terms of who I was picking here, I discounted Rindernech initially uh, because he played Stricker. Now he kind of comes back as an option. Uh, he is not in good form though, uh, so I might skip it. I think Struff has a serious chance uh, for sure. Like playing Guinard, playing the Brewer, a qualifier—that's a very good draw for him. And then if they if they meet in the quarters, who the hell knows? But Rindernech Maroshan could be rough. Vanash, um, uh, I think, does not have a... Um, like, he has a pretty decent chance, I think, as well. Um, but I don't think it's... You know, he's, he's a strong enough pick here. Uh, basically, uh, I am trying to convince myself not to go for Arthur Fields, but I can't. 
you know, he's just made back-to-back mm. ATP Tour semifinals. Um, I don't know if he's like going to inst, you know, sometimes it's hard to get back to a lower level event and produce as well. Is feels that sort of a guy who would struggle with it? I don't know. It doesn't seem like to me, you know, so far this year, he's just been putting one amazing performance after the other. Of course, he was kind of outplayed by Bonzi. Of course, of course, he was outplayed by Barrer and um, to an extent against Sinner as well. But, you know, these guys are not in the draw. These, these guys, uh, guys, play, guys who can play like this are not in this draw. And he's already beaten Barankis in the second, uh, whom he can face in the second round. Uh, the quarter looks great for me. So yeah, I just have to go for fields. And of course, in the meantime, he would also sec- secure his top 100 debut, which he was one match away uh, from um, playing Benjamin Bonzi in the Marseille semifinals. Yeah, I'm definitely joining you on this one. Also taking fields. Uh, 14 and 3 on the season, back to back ATP 250 uh, semifinals, wins over Bautista, Good, Gasquet, Alice, Vavrinka. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's very, very hard not to choose him. It, even if he struggles the draw, I love the draw for him here. I mean, he, he has Uchida who, who showed a bit of form, but feels is a superior player to him. He has Berankis in the section. I, I don't know about Berankis at this point. Uh, Brancaccio as the seed and then Richard in the section overall. I, I like him to make the semis for sure. Uh, and then once he's in the semis, Umber is playing his first match back from injury, that horrendous injury that yeah. he suffered in Montpellier against Davidovic Fokina. And back pretty quick, right? I think it was initially yeah, I'm, announced I'm that he was, he was going to be... Yeah. yeah, I think initially it was announced that he was going to be out for a longer time. The only ones that really worry me are Rinderknecht and Struff, because if they play their highest level, that will, that will likely be higher than, than what Fields has to show uh, this week. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but they, they show up to me as the two main challengers. They're also in the same quarter, so Fields for me is, is the obvious choice. All right, we can go over to Poon, where the top seed is James Duckworth playing Brajnesh Kuneshvaran. Winner will face Milian Zekic or a qualifier. Yuxiuxu plays Harold Mayo in an exciting first round match. Winner will face Neukrist or Arjun Kader, who are actually playing the doubles together. And Kader is, I think, the, still the, the number one doubles player so far this season on the Challenger Tour. He's been, he's been great with a number of partners. Uh, Purcell is the third seed here playing Sasiku Manmukund. Uh, could then face Kuzmanov or a qualifier. Paul Mans faces off against the fifth seed, Francesco Maestrelli. Winner Didn't they just play, by the or... way? Uh, Paul Maestrelli? I think so. Yeah. I think and Paul Mas crashed him, right? Yeah. Uh, 6 1, 6 one, 2. For sure, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, third section, we have Rio Noguchi playing Marek Gengel and then Ferreira Silva or a qualifier. Luca Nardi is the fourth seed playing a qualifier and then Justino or Nam Juan Lee. Final section, we have an exciting bit here for sure. Second seed, Chung Sin Tseng plays Atur Kazo. With the winner facing Haman Majedovic or Hiroki Moria. We also have Dalibor Svechina in the section playing a qualifier and then Yasutaka Uchima or Sumit Nagal. Uh, over in the qualifying, we have Jake Clark. He's the biggest name for sure. We also have guys like Milojevic, Kachmazov. Uh, and Pechi Pericard lost in the first yeah. round to an Indian wildcard, uh, Punacha. So we'll see what he has against Dominique Palan. Um, but yeah, tough, tough loss for Mpechi Pericard for sure. 
Perianta Punacha, I think a couple years back beat um maybe beat Russell in at one of these events. He 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 is one of these guys who like randomly, you know, he, he doesn't really produce most of the time in ITF events or something, and then he randomly shows up at an Indian Challenger and scores a huge win. Big big occasion player for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, over in the doubles, we have Paul Mazen Purcell facing up with Maestrelli Nardi, which is an exciting first round for sure. Uh, we also have Peter Noza teaming up with Pura Vraja. That, that's an interesting pairing to me. Aforementioned Kade and Neukrist, they're the second seeds. Chandrasekhar and Brassand also, also in here, they made the final last week. But, but going back to the main draw, who do you think will win it all in Pune? Yeah, 2020 Bangalore, uh, Kalyanda Punacha made the third round because, of course, that was the year when we had 48 player draws still. Mm-hmm. And he beat Russell and then lost to Sugita in a pretty tight match. Against Russell, he was like a 10 to 1 underdog. And against Sugita as well. But, um, uh, well, against Sugita, he didn't, of course, uh, win. Yeah, looking at the draw, I mean, do I want to pick James Duckworth? I might. Um, it's very close to a pick. Gunezvaran, he has been uh, having some, uh, I'm not even sure to but like uh, from time to time, he actually delivers. So I'm, I am kind of afraid of that. I am also kind of afraid of the winner of Mayo Su. Uh, Mayo played, um, who did he lose to? Like Majedovic, was it in the? No, not Majedovic. Um, no, he lost to McCabe uh, in, in the, the past week. And uh, mm. yeah, it was, it was like one of his best weeks in a while. So, um, I'm not sure if I want to go for it. I don't think Max Purcell is going to win it, especially in a pretty tough section with uh, Sweeney or Polmans in the quarters. I'm assuming that Polmans will beat Maestrelli again, but that could be a bit of a rough assumption if, um, you know, tennis is wild sometimes. And yeah, Kazot sang. Uh, I just checked the um, reason for Kazot's withdrawal in Bangalore, which was actually why you didn't get the point. I'm sure if not, you were gonna get, you're gonna go for Purcell. Uh, but um, Kazo was, um, yeah, he basically withdrew with a stomach issue. It said, it actually said just stomach. So it can mean a lot of uh, things. Um, I'm assuming, anything. yeah, that, that can mean a lot of things. If he's healthy, he's the favorite over Tseng, like 100%. Tseng was sure. just blown off the court by Majedovic. I think the same could happen to him here. It's also slight altitude. Um, and and 500, 560 meters, I think. Then again, you know, if Kazo plays Majedovic in the second round, that's a highlight of the week. So I'm going to do something pretty hilarious. <laughs> because in Chennai, I picked Lukanadi and he lost to Petrnoza. In Bangalore, I picked Lukanadi and he lost to Max Purcell. <laughs> 6 to 6 love. So in Bangalore, uh, sorry, in Pune, the last event of that uh, three-week stretch of Indian challengers, I'm also going to pick Lukanardi, and I think he's going to come in this time. You know, he's got a pretty good section. I'm mostly doing yeah, it he... for the memes right now, but he's got a good <laughs> section. You know what? It is not a completely outrageous pick. I thought it was a lot more outrageous last week when you picked him after he lost to Nova. <laughs> that was bordering insanity for me. But uh, this week, I mean, I, I was thinking about it. Like, like he, he got a couple wins. Of course, he got absolutely murdered when when he lost to a no. That's very rough. But the section is very nice for him. So I think he he's actually the most likely person to make the semis, uh, just percentage wise out, out of anybody. I think that he has a really good shot with with this section, but I am going with James Duckworth. Uh, he won here in 2019. The past two weeks, he's only lost to Purcell. I feel like Purcell must be tired. 
uh, or at least hopefully will be by the time they get to the semis and uh, Quirth can finally go and get his go and get his title because he's, he's been playing some good tennis too and and deserves one. So James Duckworth for me. Yeah, hilariously, that um, Irish friend of mine that sometimes sends me uh, his picks as well, he he actually got a point for streaker, by the way, this week. Uh, before wow. listening to the show, he sent me his picks, and uh, one of them uh, in Bangalore was Luca Naldi. So maybe it wasn't this outrageous. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure if he picked him for uh, Chennai, though, because I don't think he sent me his picks that week. So we'll see maybe if he also goes for him in Pune. Apparently, we're both Luca Naldi fans, even though I don't really think we ever talked about him. So I, I just don't know how you look at somebody losing to Petanoza and then you pick them the subsequent week. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I, I just figured it's not going to go worse from there, you know? <laughs> summoning that within myself. But <laughs> yes, we go to Waco, Texas, where the top seat is Jordan Thompson with an exciting first round against Alexander Vukic. Winner will face Mitchell Kruger or a qualifier. Another exciting match in this section, Alex Mikkelsen. Fresh off his first final faces Maximilian Materer, winner will play Alex Bolt or a qualifier. Matej Belucci plays Sam Chon Hong and then Zachary Svajda or Nicolas Mejia. Alexander Muller plays Juan Pablo Fikovic and then Marco Trunchetti or Dominic Kepfer. Tunglin Wu is the seventh seed playing qualifier and then Gastar Eliash or Enzo Cuaco. Alexander Kovacevic plays Ryan Harrison and then Toby Kodat or Nick Hart. Borna Goyo is in here with a special exempt, playing Benoit Pair and then Shoshima Bukuro or a qualifier. Nikki Hijikata is the second seed again, playing a qualifier, and then Alexis Galerno or another qualifier. The qualifying is being played as we speak. And last time I saw Misolic was actually down a set to Leshem. Yeah, he is, but he's serving for the round. second set. But it, it's not an easy match, you know. I mean, Solich has yeah. not been the great, the greatest of indoor players for sure. So, but yeah. So, 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 Misolic in this qualifying is the big news for sure. Uh, the fact that he's there, he, he's he's maybe, maybe he beats Lashim. We'll see how that goes. We also have Mats Morank retiring a setup again. Uh, this time to use his Blanche. So Blanche will be in the second round. Really rough for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, we have Coleman Wong who will play for a spot against Henry Squire. Shintara Mochizuki will play Marchenko for a spot. Keegan Smith will play Ayupovic. But ultimately, Misolic is probably the only one who can really make waves uh, if he gets into the main draw. In the doubles, we have the Sabanov brothers as the top seats. They play Jisung Nam, this time teaming up with Siang Jun Hong, uh, not with Song. We have Alex Bolt and Rinki Hijikata playing Kovacevic and Galerno. That will be exciting. We also have Luke Johnson and Sam Fairbake as the second seeds. But going back to the singles, who do you think wins the title in Waco? Yeah, this is pretty rough as well. Um, you know, last week we were stupid not to pick Jordan Thompson. I think right yeah. now it's not really the case, given he plays full pitch in the opening round, given he can play Marterer or Mikkelsen again in the in the quarters. Um, even Mitchell Kruger, honestly, in the second round. Um, Bellucci played um, against Kudla in Monterey and lost so easily. But, you know, he plays Hong here. I, I, I like his chances. I still don't think Hong is that good of an indoor player. Um, and the other parts of that section, well, there's there's Fida, of course. And that, that's, a, that's a problem. That's probably going to keep me this, from... This, this is outdoors, though, I think. Is it not? Oh, really? Oh, I think I, you're right. I am an idiot. I think this might be outdoors. 
I think you're I, th- I think you're right and I am an idiot uh for you know I just assumed um you know Texas um February I just assumed it's, it's gonna it's be out there I think yeah I, I think it might be like I, I just assumed USA in the you know February it's gonna be but I I, I actually they're, they're, they're outside, right yeah. yeah actually be if you're yeah, right I just checked the screen yeah um, check the stream there yeah I, I I checked that like five days ago and was surprised by this and then I completely forgot about it um you know and <laughs> <until, laughs> at the time of recording so yeah it is outdoors. Um, is that good for Bellucci or Hong? Actually, good for both guys, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it's probably not that good for Jordan Thompson, maybe. We'll see. Um, does that change my pick, though? I don't think so. I mean, Hijikata showed some fragility. I'm not going for him again. I'm not going for Bornagoyo, despite his Monterey run. And I think I'm just going to go with Alexander Kovacevic. He lost to Goya in Monterey, of course, the quarterfinals. Is that is does that sigh mean that you also wanted to go for him? I mean, he is the yes, most natural yeah. pick. Like the the section is really soft. If he beats Harrison, uh, that's not even that big of an if. And I guess Tunglin Wu is the only dangerous player, I, provided that Quaco doesn't uh, suddenly uh, you know find his form again. Yeah, I, I really like the Kovacevic pick and I'm not surprised that you also wanted to go for it. Um, the bottom half is a little weaker and that's not only because of the qualifier spots, which as you mentioned, sometimes our brains just, you know, they, they really treat them as buys. Uh, but the, the, the quality of the players themselves are, you know, is, is weaker. So I think Kovacevic has a perfect opportunity here. And recently he has, um, you know, he seems to have added some sort of a new degree of consistency to his game, to how often he produces his best level. And um, yeah, if he can keep doing that, he is the clear favorite here for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to join you on that pick. I'm not going to change it. Kovacevic is, is the favorite. Uh, Tungmin Wu is, is the one that I find the interest in there, but I, I really like his section overall. Uh, I'm not sure about Genji Kata. Goya obviously is coming off of a deep run. Uh, Thompson has Vukic in there. Bellucci, I'm I'm not going to pick Bellucci over Kovacevic here. I, I think that would be kind of silly. Uh, so yeah, Kovacevic for me as well. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's going to be it from us uh, for this week. Uh, we're obviously going to be back in seven days to discuss the events of Waco, Paul, and Une. Uh, thanks as usual for listening thanks for staying until the end and yeah we're gonna see you in uh, seven days time bye